students one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Hey, if you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. And uh, as soon as you get there, if you would stand, we're just going to begin by reading our text this morning. Ephesians chapter 3. What an incredible study. Anybody enjoying the book of Ephesians? It's been awesome, man. Just an incredible reminder of all that Christ has given us. And I hope that uh, as we're going through this, we're being reminded of the first three chapters of the principles of the riches of Christ. And as we come to chapter four through six, we're going to be reminded about how to walk in those principles and to really receive all that Christ has given us here and now. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. We can have that right now because Christ has given it to us. So Ephesians chapter three, we're going to begin in verse one here. Says this, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to you, given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. What an incredible text we have before us. We ask you, Lord, to quicken our hearts, still our minds, Lord. We open ourselves up to your spirit this morning, and we ask you to speak to us. There is a truth contained in these verses that relates to us specifically, the church, and what our purpose is. Will you speak to us individually as we make up the body of Christ this morning about our call to live out the manifold wisdom of who you are, what you've done for us, to know you and to make you known, Lord. We just ask that your Holy Spirit come now, teach us, speak truth to us, Lord, even if it offends us. We ask you now, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. How many of you like to watch mystery series or mystery movies or anything? Anybody into that? Just a couple of you. There's like three people that are sci-fi geeks in here, so cool. But... uh, Part of the reason why we like to watch these sort of movies or series is is because 
we'd like to try and figure out who done it, right? I mean, that's the whole point. We're like, okay, I'd like to challenge my brain to see how smart I am, to see how much wisdom I have, to figure out if I can, you know, and, and it's interesting how sometimes you can tell right away and sometimes you have no idea, right? Now, if you were like me, you grew up on uh, mystery series is like, you know, Scooby-Doo. That was like my entire Saturday morning experience with, you know, it was, it, if you're not familiar, let me enlighten you that uh, Scooby-Doo is a, a cross between forensic files and uh, I almost got away with it. It was animated though, it's a cartoon. And, you know, and the, the, the crooks in, in the story would always say this line at the end when they got busted, you know, if it hadn't been for those meddling kids, you know, and I was thinking, well, you know that's how it's going to end. You know why? Because they're cruising around in a mystery machine. I mean, this van is equipped with everything that they need. You know, they, they go to the van and they pull out these apparatus, MacGyver-type thing here. You know, you're thinking, how did that fit in the van? The van is this big, you know. It, it's amazing how, but the mystery machine had everything that it needed. The, the unlawful didn't stand a chance, did they? They didn't, uh, you know. What was really funny, though, is that in, in Scooby-Doo, the, the, um, it was always funny how Shaggy, who is the cowardly moron, and his, his goofy dog would, unbeknownst to themselves, always solve the mystery. You notice that? It's like, how did they, they, they just stumbled upon it, and the next thing you know, they've nabbed the crook, you know, and you're thinking... They didn't do that on purpose. They had no idea they were doing that. And, and, you know, Fred and everybody else comes alongside them. Hey, good job, you know, Shaggy. And they're like, whoa, okay, well, you know, it, it's funny how that works because let me say something. There's a principle there. God always uses people that are the least likely kind of people to reveal his mystery through. You ever notice that? Like the profoundness. I mean, it's in the word of God that it's through the mouth of babes that the profound words of God would be made manifest to you and I. And, and, and that's what we find in our story, in our account this morning. We find the Apostle Paul, who happens to be the least likely person that God would use to establish the church and to make known the mysteries of Christ. Why do I say that? Because the Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul. He was once... The, the very religious Sanhedrin leader, Jewish leader named Saul. And it was through a, something unbeknownst to himself. He was on the road to Damascus persecuting the church. And he had a collision with Christ. And he changed his life. And he became the Apostle Paul. He, you know, when he first got saved, people were so afraid of him to come to him, they thought it was a trick. The Lord said to Ananias, Ananias, go. You go tell Saul, who will become Paul, that I have called him, that he is my chosen vessel in this particular time period to make a mystery known to the world. Now, the mystery that he's going to make known is, again, one of those least likely things that you would think God would want to make known in the world. It was that the Gentiles, through Christ, by faith through grace, in Christ alone, that they would become part of Israel. Now, you know, the church did not replace Israel. Israel does not become part of the church. The church is, in fact, just another title for what we call spiritual Israel. And we find this in Romans chapter 11. You can read it later. But, but we are together, the church, we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is, has been made 
uh, manifest in this day and age through both Jews and Gentiles. The two shall become one. If you were with us last week, we, we learned a little bit about that. God, through the Holy Spirit, as we come to chapter 3, is making known a mystery. It is the word mysterion in Greek. And it's literally a secret that can't be figured out. It's, it's, a, it's, it's God's plan that cannot be, you know, you, you can't figure it out. There are clues in the word, but it's not, we can't figure it out with a human intellect. It can, it's only spiritually discerned. And the Lord has given Paul this mysterion regarding the Gentiles and their inclusion in his redemptive plan. I'm calling this message the mystery revealed, the mystery revealed for what we find here in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, is Paul reiterating what he already spoke to us about in chapter 2, and there's a reason for that, because we need to hear it, because we need to understand it. When God repeats something in the Bible, it is because he wants to make sure that we understand it. This isn't the Apostle Paul going, well, I better make sure that I, you know, do this again. I better make sure that I explain it to him again. I'm not sure that they got it. This is the Holy Spirit who is speaking through Paul, and he's saying, this is so important for the church to understand that all the walls have come down. There is neither nor uh, Jew or Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither woman or male or female. All of those walls, all of those barriers have been broken down in Christ. We are to become one body. There is not a lesser than in this equation. There is an equal to in the body of Christ. We all stand flat-footed at the, at the foot of the cross, equal sinners in need of God's redemptive work through the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace that God has given us. He wants to make sure that we understand that. Now, he already revealed this mystery in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, when it says this, for he, speaking of Jesus, Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, perhaps you caught it as we read through uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 here, but... He repeats that mystery in chapter 3, verse 6, which says, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It would seem here to me that as Paul comes to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, his intentions are totally different than what happens. Why do I say that? He starts out this this section, by the way, there are no verses and chapters or in the, the, it's a letter. When he starts this particular part of his letter, he says, for this reason, that can be translated for this cause. I like the way that the New Living Translation says it. It says, when I think of all this, when I think of all what, what is he talking about? Obviously, he's referring to what he just got done saying in chapter two. He's speaking about all the walls that have been torn down in Christ, when I think about all of this, all that God has done, it makes me want 
to pray. It makes me want to pray. And Paul's whole purpose in coming into chapter 3 is he's going to pray for the application of this mystery that's been revealed about the Jews and Gentiles, about all the walls that have been torn down. He is now going to pray for the application. And yet the Holy Spirit says, hold on a second, Paul. Let's talk about this mystery one more time. Let's make sure that they understand this mystery. And so theologians call this parenthetical thoughts of Paul. Parenthetical thoughts of Paul. Literally, there is a parenthesis in between basically verse 2 to verse 13. It's simply as if Paul is diverting from a thought to explain something else, and he will get back to his thought in verse 14, which we will look at next week. Now, in the first, in the first 13 verses, there are five specific things that the Lord wants to reveal regarding the mystery that's been revealed to us. Five things. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you the outline right now. First, we're going to see the person of the mystery, verses 1 through 3. Then the presentation of the mystery, verses 4 through 6. Thirdly, the preaching of the mystery, verses 7 through 9. The platform of the mystery, verses 10 through 11. And the privilege of the mystery, 12 and 13. First, let's consider the person of the mystery. Look at verse 1 there. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. The person of the mystery is obviously Paul. He says it right there. I, Paul. He wants us to know some things about himself. Firstly, he wants us to understand where he is currently, that he is in prison. Paul the Apostle is in prison, and he is a prisoner, not of Rome. We know that he was in Rome, but notice the way that he says this. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm a prisoner of Christ. Well, why is he saying that he's physically a prisoner of Rome? Why is he saying he's a prisoner of Christ? Because Paul understands a profound truth that many people never really consider in their own lives. They never come to this place of understanding this one premise. Listen, God is in control. God is in control of everything. Every circumstance, every situation in your life, he is in control of. Paul is saying, Yes, I was physically taken by the Romans. Yes, I was physically transported to Rome. Yes, I was physically put in a prison by Romans. I am shackled by night with soldiers of Rome. But I am here because Jesus Christ allowed it. That's the only reason I'm here. Why do you think when Jesus walked through you know, crowds and different things like that, he wasn't jumping, he wasn't afraid because God is in control? He knew that there was a time frame in which he was to come and proclaim the gospel, and then he was going to die. And he couldn't stop that time frame, but neither could anyone else. Listen, Christian, you need to be reminded this morning that whatever circumstance you go through, that God is in control, that he is at work. He knows what he's doing. This isn't by chance that you are where you are. Paul wasn't by chance in prison. He is there because... Jesus allowed him to be there. Now, sometimes we are in circumstances that we're dealing with that God has allowed because of our sin. Don't misunderstand. There are still 
you know, circumstances, there are still consequences for our sin, Christian, even though we are redeemed people, even though Christ paid the price, there are still consequences on this side of heaven. They're just not eternal. Like there, God still begins to work in our life and he allows us to deal with some of those consequences. Some of you are here this morning and you're dealing with those consequences. You're saying, Lord, but, but I want you to understand this. You are, whatever prison you find yourself in, you are a prisoner, not of that circumstance, but you are a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He redeemed you, he paid for you, you belong to him, and if he's allowed you to be there and you're working through those circumstances, then, then, then listen up. Because he is at work, he's trying to do something. This isn't to say that you should beat yourself up over your past. Your past does not define you. However, there are certain things that happen in our lives that are lifelong consequences. Don't think that God can't work through that, that he hasn't already made, you know, he hasn't already given you grace in that. He has. You just need to trust him. You need to understand that he's in control. Sometimes God allows us to go through circumstances and situations because it's the only time that we'll stop and we will focus on him. You know, sometimes we get laid on our back, you know, we're thinking, man, Lord, I can't believe I'm injured. Why? Because I want to spend some time with you. He's not, he's not beyond that. You know what? He understands the value of spending time with him. Like sometimes we, we, we don't say this, but by our actions, we seem like we're saying God is so unimportant. He's so unimportant in my life that I don't have a few minutes to spend time with him. So the Lord will say, let me show you how, how in control I am. And he'll allow a circumstance in your life so that you can be, so he can draw near to you. Listen, whatever it takes, right? Isn't that our prayer? Lord, whatever it takes. If I, you know, I love the third day song. Please take from me my life if I don't have the strength to give it up to you, Jesus. Please do whatever you have to do in my life, Lord, if I start to stray. Is that not your prayer? Is that not what you want in your life? Sometimes that is what the Lord has to do. You, you need to keep perspective. I need to keep perspective in what God is doing in my life because he's doing it. He's allowing it. And, you know, I can trust him through it. He knows what he's doing. Now, Paul may have, perhaps this was the only way that God could have slowed this man down enough for him to pin four epistles, four prison epistles uh, during this time frame. Perhaps that's the reason he's in prison, so that he could pin the book of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. Paul was a busy dude, man. He didn't slow down, and we can see in the book of Acts that he was, he was pressing forward, sometimes beyond what the Holy Spirit would even ask him to do. He was trying to go places where the Holy Spirit said, no, no, don't go. Don't go. So he was, he was an active, engaged, you know, pressing forward kind of a dude. Maybe the Lord had to, had to put him in prison so that he could use him to write these four epistles. What I'm saying to you today is that your pain has purpose. It's meant for his glory and for your good. You can trust him. There is triumph in your trial. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in control. And you can trust him with that. Paul next reveals who he's imprisoned for. Did you catch it? He said, I am in prison, what? On behalf of the Gentiles. That is because of the message that he was speaking on behalf of Gentiles. He was essentially going, it was a message that was not very well received. In his culture, culture did not like the concept 
of Jews becoming part of the same body that they're part of by grace through faith and not of works. The Jews had a problem with that. And guess what? Paul was the propagator, so they had a problem with Paul. And in fact, when Paul actually got arrested, when he was in Jerusalem, by the way, the Holy Spirit told him all the way, uh, the, road, uh, the road that led to Jerusalem that he was going to be bound and imprisoned. He already knew that. But as he came to Jerusalem, and the brothers in Jerusalem said, Paul, let's, let's just like appease the Jews. Why don't you take a Nazarene vow, shave your head, put on these robes, sackcloth, whatever. Let's go to the temple, be humble. You know, and he was essentially saying, listen, I'll become all things to all men. You know, if that's how I can be used by God to get the message of the gospel into these people, then that's what I will do. So he takes the Nazarite vow. He goes into the temple. And um, what ends up happening? They start a problem about a guy that Paul is with. And he happens to be both a Jew and a, and a Gentile, like Paul is. And so the, the Jews start this uproar in the temple, and they say, Paul brought a Gentile beyond the court of the Gentiles, which was the walls of separation. We talked about it last week, right? And so the Jews get it up in an uproar. They're ripping their clothes. They're throwing dirt up in the air. They want to take their hands and lay them upon. They want to kill him. In fact, some dude said, we're going to fast until we, until we do kill him. They waited outside for Paul to be transported to Rome. Wonder if they ever ate <laughs> or did they break the vow? Who knows? But uh, the, the, the reality is that it was his message that was the problem. And it wasn't his message. It was a mystery that God was revealing through him to the world. And it was not a message that the culture would receive. It was going against the culture. Aren't you glad that God isn't a respecter of culture? If God was a respecter of culture, we'd be in big trouble, wouldn't we? As Americans, we would, we would be we would be in big trouble. Listen, God is not worried about who gets offended by his message. You understand that? He's more worried about making sure that the truth goes out in love. He's more worried about the way that the truth is spoken as it relates to you and I than who gets offended by it. You know, and we're living in a culture that is offended by the gospel. We're living in a culture that's offended by, you know, people being real and saying, yeah, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. We're living in a culture that says, don't tell me how to live my life. I don't want to hear it, right? Listen, we live in a culture that is trying to legislate our message. What do I mean? If any of you have kept up with the, this, this bill that's being presented in the state of California, it's this uh, Assembly Bill 2943. It came out in April. There's been some press on it recently. But, but it, it, it's this. It's a censoring type law which essentially says that Christians, pastors, whoever, are not allowed to speak against homosexuality, gender identity, any of these kind of things. We're not allowed to say that's sin. We're not allowed to say that, you know, that that's wrong. That would be considered hate speech. You guys have heard that, right? I mean, you've heard that, that that's going to start coming. It is coming. Don't fool yourself. It is coming. We live in a culture that is not going to be dictated by God and telling them what they can say or, you know, how they can live and how they can't live. That will not fly here. And the enemy is working overtime to make sure that this bill goes through. What does it mean for us? Nothing. It means nothing for us. Why? Because we're not dictated by the culture. Our message doesn't change. It doesn't matter what the laws are. Now, it might 
might be that you have to be a little bit smarter about the way you bring in message, right? But, but if, if, the, if, if the legislation goes beyond the word of God, as Peter and John said, who shall I obey, man or God? We will obey the Lord. We'll continue to do what we're called to do because we're called to do it. This proposed law, this, this Democratic Assemblyman, Al Marashuchi, said this, the faith community, like any, anyone else, listen, needs to evolve with the times. Oh, we're evolving with the times. Don't, don't, we, we know where the, what the times are right now, don't we? We understand that we're in the last days. We understand that, as 2 Timothy 4.3 says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. We understand that. We know where we sit prophetically. We understand that we are in the last of the last days. We understand that there will, people will be offended by the message, but we don't change the message, folks. Just make sure that when you present the message, that you do it in love. That's what God is going to hold you accountable for. How you bring the message to people. Are you loving people when you tell them about Jesus? Or you just tell them everything they've done wrong in their lives and how they're going to hell? That's not exactly the way that the gospel should be presented. The gospel should be presented in this way. That God so loved the world. That means you. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son because you're a sinner and you need to be saved and his blood saves you. And if you will put your faith in him, you will not perish. That you will have everlasting life. That is the gospel in a nutshell, folks. And that's how we present the gospel to people. In love. Because God so loved them. May God change our hearts and cause us to love people the way that he loves them. Paul wants these folks to understand who he is imprisoned for. It's because of the message that God had given him, the mystery. What is that mystery? Look at verse 4. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul's prayer in this letter was this, that the believers in Ephesus would read this and perceive this. It, perceive it. What does that mean? It means to think over carefully. It means to consider carefully. What are they to consider carefully? To think over the insight, that is, the understanding that Paul was given regarding the mystery of Christ. They're supposed to just mull over it. Like, think over it. Let it become part of them. Like, can you believe that God would include me? The Gentiles would think like, man, let me just mull over that for a second. It's so anti-cultural. Let me just let it hit me in, in the full brunt of the gospel weight, right? That God would love me that way, that we'd include me into that. Consider it carefully, he says, and gain understanding through the insight that Paul was given regarding this mystery. Now, this mystery is, in general, the fact that God became a man, that he laid himself down upon a cross and that he died, was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. That is the general mystery of the gospel, right? I mean, that, that's a mystery, right? I, I don't get that. I'm thinking, Lord, why would you do that? Why would you do that? We, we know why, because he loves us. But don't you, don't you think about that sometimes? You think about, Lord, I know me. Man, I wouldn't do that for me. But you would. 
That means he sees something that you don't see. He sees something about you that you don't see. Paul is praying for the general mystery of the gospel to be known, yes, but he is also praying specifically for the mystery that is defined in verse 6 about the Gentiles, that they are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery is this, that it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, both of you need Jesus, and it's through Jesus Christ that you are reconciled into the inheritance that God has given. Even Jews, they didn't just receive the inheritance, they had to come through Christ. And Paul wants people to understand that. The gospel is a mystery, man. This mystery of the inclusion of all people is is incredible mystery, which Paul says no other generation has really ever been given insight to. No other generation in the history of the world has been given insight to what Paul is laying out here. Now, if it ain't new, it's, it's not true, right? Not in this case. It's not technically new what Paul is saying, right? It's not technically new. Let me back up. If it's new in this case, because we have the completed word of God, it ain't true, all right? But, but in this case, the word of God had not been written yet. And the apostle Paul was bringing out what he calls mystery, the mystery of God. And he was saying, listen, the mystery has never been revealed like it's being revealed today. It's not because Paul was a studied, you know, student of the Bible that he came to know this. It wasn't because he was really good at solving mysteries. It was because Jesus Christ himself revealed the mystery of this so that Paul could reveal it to other people. What an incredible calling. What a privilege Paul was given to be the man to bring this mystery to the people. No other person in the history of the world was able to do this. But God was making it known now through his holy apostles and prophets, that being those who were existing in the early church to establish the early church. It was through Paul and Peter and James and the the, the disciples who became the apostles and through the prophets such as Silas and many many other guys, you know, God was revealing truth through them to the world. He was revealing the real, the real truth. Now, the Gentiles had always been in, included in Israel. We know that the Old Testament talks about it in Isaiah 42, 6, Isaiah 49, 6, Isaiah 63, verse 3. All of this is referencing that the, that the Jew was to be a light to the nations, namely the Gentile nations. It's only the Gentiles, right? There are no other nations. It's only Jew and Gentile. So they were called to be a light to who? The Gentiles. That was included in here. However, they interpreted that to mean that they're supposed to become like us. They have to become Jews. And, and in the Old Covenant, you know, yes, that was true in, in some sense, that they had to, if they were going to worship God, they had to worship him in the same way that a Jew would have to worship God. But in the New Covenant, everything changed. Even the Jew had to change the, the way that they worshiped God, right? They had to come through who? Jesus Christ. There were no more sacrifices available for New Testament believers. Those sacrifices were done away with. Jesus Christ was pinned to a tree. It was by his blood that were reconciled. That's the redemptive plan. That is what Paul is saying. 
to these people. This is what God has been revealed. Now, Peter, he had a dream, Acts chapter 10. You can read it later. That was revelation to him about the Gentiles saying that, listen, don't call anything that I've created unclean, Peter. He was speaking specifically of the Gentiles. How do we know? Because right after that, Cornelius's buddies show up at the door and they go over to Cornelius's house and, he get, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. They get, they're saved, who? By, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Peter was given revelation regarding this. He would have never stepped foot over the threshold of that door into a Gentile's house had he not had that dream. There was a wall built. The Apostle Paul, the most, you know, studious religious dude that you could meet, Jewish religious dude that you could meet, and God is making revelation known to him. How hard do you think that was for him to, to, to really, you know, allow the Spirit of God to, to, to speak to him about? I, I guarantee you that was a, a little tough on him initially. He's thinking, my whole life I've viewed Gentiles as basically firewood for hell. <laughs> I viewed them as dogs. Like, you know, that was like the, uh, in the Hebrew, there was only one curse word. You know, um, you want me to say it? <laughs> it was dog. That was it. That was the only curse word. In the, and he, they would consider Hebrew or Gentile people dogs. And that was not funny, I know, but that's okay. Because we're moving forward. But, but, but I say all that to say that God was revealing his truth through the apostles and through the prophets. That's why we don't have apostles and prophets anymore because we have the word of God. They didn't have the New Testament. Once the word of God was closed, we no longer need apostles and prophets because their offices were to bring the, the revealed mysteries of God to the world. That's been done through the word of God. So we have that. We don't need that any longer. And, and it, sa it says here that, you know, um, God was revealing his mystery to them for this purpose, that they would reveal it. If God lets you in on a mystery, it's not for you to hold it back. It's for you to tell somebody else about it. When you get in the word of God in the morning and you're reading the Bible and God is speaking to your heart, do you know that he wants you to tell somebody else about what he's telling you? Listen, he ministers to us through the word of God, yes. But there are specific times in your devotional life where God will speak to you for the whole purpose of you telling somebody else. And if you're not gospel-oriented, if you're not centered on, on the, the missionary mindset that God had called you to, you won't even think about that. You'll miss it. You'll miss being used by God. He wants to reveal himself to you so that you can reveal him to somebody else. That's why our mission statement at the church is to know Christ and to make him known. We want to know him so that we can go tell somebody else about him. How can you tell somebody else about God if, you don't, if you're not receiving from God, if you're not hearing from God, if you're not, if you're not really in, you know, making him the center of your life? You can tell him in general, but let me tell you something, it, and it's not about passion, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's really hard for me to be, be convinced by, by Eeyore about the gospel, you know, Jesus loves you. He really does. For the Bible tells me so. You know, and not, not excited about the gospel at all because it's not impacted your life. Let the word of God impact you so that you can be impactful. Right? I mean, when you say something, have something to say because God sent it to you. Like, when I get up here, I, I'm not praying, Lord, give me something to say. I have something to say because he's given it to me to say it. 
The same holds true for you. Just because you don't stand behind a pulpit doesn't mean that you don't have a platform. God has given you a platform. He's given you people to talk to. He's given you all kinds of exciting things to tell people. Sometimes it's those conversations are not fun too, but we do it all for his glory, for his honor. What a privilege it is, man. This is the presentation of the gospel that Paul had been given. It was something that God gave to him. It was revelation. It wasn't something he figured out. This is the presentation of the mystery. Now let's look at the preaching, verse 7 of the mystery. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. His grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of God, of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for, all, for ages in, in God who created all things. You might recall, and I already said this earlier, but Paul was an enemy of the gospel. He was an enemy of the gospel at one time in his life. And it was simply by God's grace and by God's grace alone that he would become a minister of the gospel. Again, it had not a lot to do with him and his intellect and his capacity to oritate or his capacity to convince people. None of that mattered. God said, Paul, I have chosen you as a minister of the gospel in this specific time frame to make, mis- make the mystery of Christ known. This is your ministry. How did Paul receive the ministry? In humility. Listen, if God is calling you into ministry, which it is a calling, into the office of ministry, whatever that ministry is, he's giving you a calling to something. We all have the general call to share the gospel, but we also have callings in our life, specific ministries that God calls us to. This is mine. What is yours? But he, ch- he chooses people to do certain things for himself, not because they're anything of themselves, but it's who he designed and fashioned and formed them to be. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So this is my good works. What, what are your good works? What is God doing in and through you? Ken, starting a precepts Bible study. You know, we got Dan and LaDonna doing youth group. What is your calling? Seek it out. Ask the Lord. Paul was handpicked to be a minister of the gospel. He was chosen in a very crucial time in the history of the world, the establishment of the church and the proclamation of the new covenant. That was his calling. Now, he had to receive this in humility. Did you see what he said there, man? I am the least of the saints. I'm the least of the saints. Paul says in, in, in the book of Romans, he goes, man, I'm the chief of all sinners. Why would he say that? Because of who he was. Because he was a murderer. Because he persecuted the church. He killed, imprisoned, he ruined Christians' lives for what he thought was for the sake of his God. And what did Jesus tell him on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The very God that he was trying to serve was the very God that he was persecuting. 
And because of that, the Apostle Paul didn't feel like he measured up. He didn't feel like he measured up to any saint. Maybe you're here today and you feel that way. What you need to understand is who you were is not who you are if you're in Christ. Who you were was pre-Christ. It's part of your story, but it's not who you are. Who you are, you are a child of God. You are an heir to the kingdom of heaven. You are more than a conqueror. The Bible says you are a victor in him. You're not defined by who you were, but you are defined by who you are. Some of you haven't clicked over to who you are yet. And that's the importance of this book called Ephesians, is that you understand who you are, what he has done for you, some of you are allowing your past to hinder what God wants to do today in your life. And you're saying, how can God use me? Look what I've done with my life. Look at, I'm still dealing with the consequences of it. <laughs> We're all trophies of grace, right? We're all trophies of grace. Not a single person deserves to be appointed by God. Not a single person, but he does appoint, doesn't he? And he's appointing you. He called you. He chose you from the foundation of the world so he could save you and then use you. How profound is that? That is an amazing truth that the Apostle Paul understood. He considered himself the least of all the saints, but he never let it stop him from doing what he was called to do. He never let that become a barrier to the ministry that God called him to. Someone needs to know today that your past has been buried with Christ. <laughs> He's given you a new life. Now live it. Live it out, man. Paul's new life. To be a light to the Gentiles, to speak of the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all for ages in God. It was by God's grace. He wasn't because he was worthy. It was because God is gracious. What an amazing call Paul had. He is called to preach the gospel and so are you. What is that platform that he's been given? Look at, look at this. This is a crazy, crazy truth that maybe you didn't catch, but check this out, verse 10. So that through the church, that's you and I, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he was realized in Christ Jesus our, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church is the vessel. We become, the world is what? Our platform. Our platform for what? Our platform for God to reveal his nature, his character, his glory to the angelic beings. Does that blow your mind that God is using you to speak to the angels? Both evil and good. You're, you're his platform to reveal himself 
to, to the angelic majesty, to, 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 to angels and creatures and heavenly places. You are thinking, man. And trust me, they're probably thinking, man, God, how can you use these people? You're thinking, God, how can you use these people? Exactly, that's the point. God is using you. Angels are hovering over heaven today. They're looking down on you and they're saying, how, I, how, can, you, how can you love these people, God? How can, you work, how can you use this person to do that in your life when they're doing this in their life? And God says, because I love them and I want you to understand the great grace and the great love that I have, not only for them, but for you. He's revealing himself to the angelic presence in heaven also those who exist in the heavenlies and the, the, the prince of the power of the air, principalities, all for the purpose of this, that they would glory in him, that they would glory in him. It's about him. It's about him revealing himself that we would understand who he is so that we could give him glory. You cannot apply that which you don't understand until you receive understanding then and only then can you truly praise God. Like when, you, when he reveals himself to you, do you not break out in a greater, greater level of praise than you did before? Maybe we, maybe we need to pray for God to be revealing himself to us in different ways. Maybe we need to be praying, God, open my eyes because I know you're already doing that, that I don't miss it. Lord, start with me. Let your praise be ever be on my lips always, no matter what I'm going through, and you just seek the Lord in that way. You're his platform. Why do you think angels, why do you think angels go berserk in heaven when one sinner comes to, to repentance? Why do you think that they, there's a party going on in heaven because God is being glorified, and the platform is you? And he's saying, and they're saying, look what you've done, Lord. How great and how glorious are you? First Peter said in, in verses, chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, I'm not going to read it, but it's saying that the angels are literally learning from you and I. They're perfect. And yet they don't know everything. And they're learning. They're learning about the love of God. They're learning about the nature and the character and forgiveness and about how far God will go for people who are estranged to him. God doesn't use angels to reveal his wisdom to us. He uses us to reveal his wisdom to the angels and they marvel and they're blown away by how God can take a people like you and I. He can unify us in the spirit of God through his son. It's a platform. You're a platform. Why does the church exist? Because we're a platform to bring him glory. That's why. We're a platform to bring him glory. Sometimes we walk in here, we... we we make our entire lives about us. Brian just taught a message about that a couple weeks ago. No matter where you are, no matter where you go, it's always about him. It's about his glory. I was telling the guys this morning when we were praying earlier, I said, man, it's kind of grieving my heart that I, I roll past a church and I see, you know, church of so-and-so, and then I see pastor so-and-so. Think like, who cares who that guy is? Let's make Jesus Christ known. Let's make Jesus Christ famous. It's not about the guy and the name on the building. It's about the Lord. Let us all make him famous. 
And when people try to give you fame and try to build you up, be very, very quick to say, boom, it's about Jesus. Let's make Jesus famous. The Apostle Paul was really good at that. May we realize that our lives, our redemptive lives, have a greater purpose than our own salvation sanctification. That's humanism, to make it about us. But may we understand that we are a platform to bring him glory. You're a platform to bring him glory. That brings us to our final point, which truly is the privilege of the mystery, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. We are more than any other generation that has ever lived incredibly privileged people. You know that? I think like, well, I don't really feel that privileged. Let me just tell you why. Not only has God sent his son for you, he did that for the world. Not only has he manifest himself and, and through the ages he's preserved what we have, the word of God in our laps. The, the, the user guide to life so that we can understand who he is so that we can know him and make him known. Not only has he done all that, but he happened to choose you to be part of the church in this day and age to make the manifold wisdom of God known in this world in a very crucial time period. What crucial time period am I talking about? The crucial time period when uh, the generation that lived after Israel became a nation. Now, you're incredibly privileged. You you may not even know that. But do you know for over 2,000 years, some 2,000 years, close to 2,000 years, the children of Israel were estranged from, there were people with no land. And we know that prophetically, in order for Christ to come back, in order for Jesus to come get his church, Israel has has to be established and has to be a nation. That, that didn't happen too long ago, folks. You know, we, we look at some of the powerful preachers, Wesley, Spurgeon, all these guys back in the 18th, 19th, 19th centuries, and we, we think like, wow, man, God used those guys powerfully and all that, and, um, and he did. But you know that they were less privileged than you because Israel hadn't become a nation yet. You were living literally in the very last days, folks. I don't know if you know that. And, and some people get, you know, they're, they're kind of a little bit cynical about it, right? Well, <laughs> people have been saying that for years, you know. Jesus is coming back. Well, where is he? Well, he's coming. And he's coming soon, considering Israel is established as a nation. You see, prophetically, everything, although God stands outside of time and space, he is on a time clock. And it's his time clock, but there is a timepiece. And that, the, the, the timepiece is Israel. Jesus said in Matthew 24, if you want to get a gauge for what's happening, you know, prophetically, just look at Israel. Just watch Israel. If you watch Israel, you'll see what God is doing. You'll see where we sit in the time frame. We know that, that Israel, man, is in, they've got, they've, got, they've got all kinds of things going on currently. Listen, our news doesn't report a lot of this stuff, folks. It, it's like... You know, we, we hear a very small fraction. It's, 
there, it's diversion tactics so that our eyes get off the fact, the real importance, which is really what's happening in Israel, so that God's church can be ready so that we can be a, a bride with oil in our lamps prepared for Christ to come back. It's a diversion. So you need to make sure that you're aware of what's happening. And there's many good resources that you can check out. Um, but, but, but the reality is, is you need to be watching Israel. You need to be looking at Israel. You need to be praying for Israel, their nation. And they are in turmoil all the time. All the, they're, they're on the brink of war constantly, and they are at war. They are at war, and it's just kind of like tempered war. It's not full-out war. But the world is going to surround Israel one day. And they're going to come against her, and the Lord will protect her. And I don't think we're going to be here. I think we'll be gone. It doesn't matter if you believe that or not, but either way, the reality is, is that prophetically, Israel is the timepiece that we're watching. It is the second hand. We're watching Israel for what God is doing. She is the mystery that you and I have been given so that we, we can study the word of God and we can look and we can see, you know, not the day and the hour in which Christ is coming back, but we can, we can tell the season. And that's what Jesus said. We are incredibly privileged people. Not only because of that, but also because you and I, as with many other believers, have been given access to the Father. We've been given access with confidence through faith in Him. We can come to the Father through the Son in boldness. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. He is the reason that we can come. Ephesians 2.18, for through Him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has given you a VIP pass to the Father. Now, you can't come unless you got that pass. And the only person you can get that pass from is Jesus. No other person has that pass. But Jesus is freely handing them out. He's saying, here, I want to give you a VIP access to the Father 24-7, whenever you want. You can come boldly to the throne. Why can, how can you come boldly to the throne of grace when you're a sinner? How can you come boldly before the throne of grace when, you know, your life, frankly, doesn't measure up and neither does mine? How can we come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence? Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done. You see, your offense, your offense, your sin that offended God, that separated you from God, was pinned to the tree of Jesus was buried with Jesus. You were risen to new life with Jesus. And that's why you have access. Because he granted you access. And that's why you can come boldly to him. With confidence. Because he paid the price. God looks at you as perfect. Do you understand that? He sees you as he sees his son. But yet we're, we, we allow our our. our past and our sins and our, all the things that we're doing to burn us down and we go, oh, God doesn't want anything to do with me today. Man, you know. And, and we even say things jokingly like, let me step away from you in case lightning strikes. Listen, God, we, live in, we live in a dispensation which is called the age of grace. And it's not grace so that we can do whatever we want. That is, a, that, that is an abuse. And that is a, that is a prost, prostituting of grace. That's not what grace is. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. 
You don't deserve eternal life, but he gave it to you anyway. And he's displayed his mercy in you, and then he's not giving you what you do deserve. But we live in a dispensation in the age of grace because of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, if you've never done, this is a parenthetical thought by me, but if you've never done this, do a study on the dispensations and how God reached out to man. Eight different dispensations through the Bible. You know, you look at the age of innocence all the way down to the age of wrath, to, to the age of righteousness, which is the millennial kingdom of Christ. You do the study about how God has been revealing himself to man in various different ways. Today, we're in the sixth dispensation, which is the age of grace. And God is revealing himself through his son, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He's revealing himself through grace. So you have access to the Father. You are forgiven from the Father because of grace. So live in grace. Don't, don't allow your, your sin or whatever is going on in your life to separate you from God. You, you just repent and move forward. But you have access to God to do that. So don't, don't let it distance your, yourself from the Lord. Now, the Jews understood the Jews understood how, what it meant to be estranged from God because there was no one that had access to the Father except for one person, one time a year, the high priest. We talked about it last week. It's the original bell bottoms, you know. He wore bells on the bottom of his robe and he would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to make atonement for sin. And sometimes he didn't come out. Sometimes he died in the presence of the Lord because the people were not repentive or because he wasn't repentive. How would you like to be that guy? in our culture, going before the Lord, wondering, like, man, I hope they repented, because <laughs> if they didn't, I'm not coming out, right? But the, the Jews understood the veil that existed in the temple between God and man. There was a veil. There was a separation. But you know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, you know what happened to that veil, right? It was torn, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom, as if God himself took it and just went, Whoosh! What does that mean? You now have access. Through what? Through the cross. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. When the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies, he would sprinkle the blood of a lamb on the mercy seat where God would, where he would make atonement for sin. Jesus Christ, through the cross, became our atonement so that we can have free access to the Father. And if you don't feel privileged today, I don't know what will make you feel privileged. He loves you so much. And he wants to be in relationship with you. Not only that, he wants you to commune with him. Like he wants you to spend time with him. He's saying, come anytime you want. I don't care. Day or night, just like we do, right? Call me. If you're struggling or whatever, just give me a call. I'll be, oh, I'm not going to do that. You can come to the Lord anytime. There's no expectation from him. He just wants you to come. He wants you to come through his son. He loves you. Paul closes this parenthetical thought with this. Don't lose heart over my imprisonment. Man, Paul, you're in prison for us. Oh, man, bummer. I'm going to be depressed about that now. No, no, no. Don't lose heart over what God is doing in my life. Get some perspective. This is God doing it, not, not you. God's at work here. And God is using this in my life. He, keep the eternal plan of God in mind when you're going through your circumstances. Listen, Paul understood more than anyone, which I don't think he fully comprehended, how God was using his imprisonment. 
guards were getting saved. They would be shackled to Paul. He had a captive audience, man. He's sharing the gospel with these guys all night long. You know, saying, listen, you need to know Jesus. You can't, guy can't go anywhere. He's shackled to him. He was able, kind of like on house arrest during the day, he was able to move around. He was ministering to the church in Rome, and then they were being sent out all over the world. And they were taking letters, and they were ministering to each other through him. Why? Because he was there through his imprisonment. I'm not saying make lemonade out of lemons. I'm saying <laughs> give God glory because he's in control. And although it's difficult, whatever it is that you're going through, he's at work. And, and he's breaking you down, and he's breaking, you know, he, he is at work in this situation, I promise you. Even when it doesn't feel like it, God knows what he's doing. He hasn't left you forsaken or alone. He's growing you up. He's training you up. He is using you to train up angels. You're his masterpiece. You're his platform. Don't forget that. If you're suffering, suffer well. If you're rejoicing, rejoice well. For know this, God has you right where he wants you. And he's revealing himself to you so that he can reveal himself through you. Amen? This is the mystery revealed to and through you and I. What a glorious mystery it is. Next week, we're going to consider the prayer of Paul and the application of this glorious ministry. So make sure you come back next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. What a glorious truth that you've given us, Lord. That you are using your church to display the manifold wisdom of you. What an incredible platform, Lord, that we are, Lord. What an incredible thing that you're doing through us that we are not even unaware of, Lord. We ask you this morning, Lord, that if we are in some way estranged from you, that you draw us near today. That means for some of us, if we're not reconciled to you through your son, that we need to be this morning. That you've given Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven. The cross, so that our sins can be wiped away. And all we need to do is call upon you today. We'll be saved. Confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We'll be saved. If there's anyone here this morning, God, would you just do your redemptive work in their lives and draw them to yourself, God. For others, Lord, here this morning, there are circumstances that are going on in our lives that nobody knows about. Things in our past that are hindering us. And you want to set us free this morning. You want us to be an exhibit of your grace. That we too could be a light to those who are in dark places, maybe the same places we've been. So that we could bring, we could share the comfort that you have given us to be a comfort to them. 
Lord, will you draw our hearts to yourself this morning? Father, also those who are allowing their circumstances to hinder their relationship with you. Sin or whatever it might be. Will you help us to have a breakthrough this morning, God? You're drawing us right now. You want us to bring ultimate glory to your name, but you want, you care about our relationship. You care about where we are. And so by your Holy Spirit, we just minister to us this morning, each and every one of us right where we are. We thank you in advance for just what you're going to do in this place now as we apply what we've heard, the glorious mystery that Christ has given us so that we can make it known to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.